Did you know that Can We Be Real's first birthday is coming up in the middle of May? And we wanted to say thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. And also, there's a birthday present that you can give to us, and it's absolutely free. You know that follow button on either Apple or Spotify? 63% of the audience who listens to this podcast have not hit that button yet on either of those platforms. And our goal is to get that down to 50% so that we have at least 50% of our audience who have hit follow on either Apple or Spotify. This helps us move up the charts. It helps us to grow, which means we can invest more money in making this podcast even bigger and better in our second year. So if you can help us reach our goal of 50% of the audience, that's another 13% of you who listen right now, hitting that follow button on Apple or Spotify to help us to continue to grow, that would be the best first birthday present ever. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's a party going on. Are we recording? Yeah. There's a party going on um, at one of the townhouses behind me, and I'm so tempted to give them a knock and go, hey, because I don't know them. They're, they're, they're new, yeah, and I'm like, hey. But then I think, oh, what if I disgrace myself and then we're all stuck being neighbours? Could happen. Two weeks ago, you and I ended up at the casino in Melbourne there at 3 a.m. in right. the morning, and I just, I'm still, I've still got the taste of whatever drink you picked up from the bar, which was like some kind of strawberry daiquiri. It wasn't a daiquiri. There was no ice in it. It was some kind of. I just said to them, "Surprise me." Yeah. I said, "Give me something vodka based for my friend and I." And just surprised me. God, it was good. And then they, it was really lovely, wasn't it? Just a yeah. sweet little something or other. We had a few of those. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was a fun night out. You see, yeah, I mean, I should have more confidence in myself. I'd be a lot of fun. I don't know if it was a fun night out because it was a Monday night and we were at the casino and we were the only ones there. Like, it was fun to be with you, but I, but there was no vibe. Oh, my God. That was what was fun about it. My friends and I, many, many years ago, <laughs> we used to have a tradition called Monday Night Losers where we would go out on a Monday night. <laughs> And find the saddest fucking thing to do. <laughs> like, we'd go and see a singer who was on on a Monday night somewhere in a bar. Yeah. Or we would really just try and we'd go, God, how sad is it being out on a Monday night? Who goes out on a Monday night? And so we'd, we'd go and we'd find out. And that was, I, that's all I could think of that night was, oh, this is such a brilliant Monday Night Losers. 
This is brilliant. We weren't the o- we weren't the only ones there. Oh mate, it was full of sad people playing the pokies all yeah. around us. Even mate. our table hadn't been cleaned, and it was freaking me out because there was so many rings of glasses that had been on the table, and no one had cleaned it, which was doing my frigging head in. And no one had even tried the entire time. We were there a couple of hours, <laughs> and no one tried to clean our table. And I mean, I I could have gotten engaged so many times that night I reckon like it was really yeah I got the look a lot of times you must have when you went to the bathroom I saw I saw that yeah Yeah, I saw that let's get into what we're actually here to talk about today which is bloody Robbie Williams and the doco Robbie he's had moments in his life where he should be at a casino on a Monday night god knows and he's honest about that in this documentary series we've gone from the Beckhams a couple of weeks ago who were just all glamour all the time they never let the glamour drop no matter what's happening. They're like, yeah, okay, there's some affair stuff going down, but I'm still going to get out there in my best bloody clip-on ponytail and we're still going to meet up in a in a chalet in a, some kind of ski resort and we're going to nut it out there. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Um, but no, no, no such luck with Robbie. It gets pretty dark, doesn't it, in the Robbie documentary on Netflix? Oh, but he's got a nice house. Far out, he's got a great house. I was just oh, thinking yeah. that the whole time I was like, well, they make Fuck. sure they make sure you do, don't they? Because in they cut it into intersperse it with shots of Robbie then just wandering around his palatial garden with his <laughs> cherubic <laughs> children just <laughs> giggling around the yeah. garden like little imps. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Now, I've always pictured you being with someone like a Robbie Williams type character. Like, I feel like he is your guy. Is he your yeah, guy or not yeah, really? Yeah, that's a beautiful thing to say. He is. He's a bit fucked Ooh. up, right? Oh, he's very fucked up. Ooh. But he's a lovely person. And there's actually some shots of him at the very end with his family and his daughter. And it's like, you, you I, I was like, fuck, I want that when I'm 52. Well, I want that. I want to be that guy. Yeah. I mean, all of that. Yes, yes. Tick, tick, tick. But also what the documentary shows unflinchingly is that what he actually is, is a guy who spends most of his day in his jocks and a singlet in bed. Mm, watching his own documentary. <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty <laughs> honest about that too, isn't he? I mean, that's where all the interviews take place. They go at the very beginning, they go, why are we here, Robbie? And he's, he's lit- honestly, if you haven't seen it, he literally spends the entire time in black jocks, a black singlet in bed. And they go, why are we here? And he goes, oh, because I'm a hermit. If I'm not on stage, I'm in bed. And so it's like, geez, you'd be helpful around the house with the kids. Okay, I get it. He's got four children. Yeah. And this is where he spends his day. So that's that's how that so you're exactly right. That's exactly the kind of man I usually end up with. Um he's a rock and roller. He looks great. He's covered in tats. He's an interesting chap. Most women would want I can see why women would find him very attractive. Like he's a he is a just a he's a charismatic energy ball. He's not the smartest guy on the planet, but he's just a you you want to be around him. Yeah, he's hot as hell. Probably can't get an erection anymore, but, you know, he's got some good chat and, um, you know, that's why I'm not into them at that age. You know, I was, I would have been into Robbie sort of probably 10, 15 years ago, but, oh, you know, good for Ida, his missus. She's taken on the um, the caring portion of his life and, <laughs> and all power to her. Yeah. Good for her. And they've had the kids, as I say, four children. Um, he's very thin these days because he, as he admits, he's lost about 13 kilograms on Ozempic, the the drug that everybody's taking in LA. All the all the housewives are taking it and everything. And he says, "Look, babe," he said to the Times, "He said, babe, I'm on Ozempic. 
He said, it's like a Christmas miracle. And he said, I need it medically because I've been diagnosed with type two self-loathing. And he, and he said, he just can't stand himself when he's fat. He can't, it's his mental health. He he just can't live with himself. He's not fat and happy, you know? Mm. So you know who he looks like to me? He looks like Brian Mannix in this whole show. He just keeps reminding me of little little Brian Mannix. You know, because he's grey and he's... Sorry, I've got to ask you, who who's Brian Mannix? He's the lead singer of Uncanny X-Men and he was always on um, Spicks and Specs and he's ser- terribly, terribly funny and smart and gorgeous. And uh, when Robbie's thin and grey with a mullet, he just looks like a little tiny Brian Mannix. Very cute. Yeah, but... I really do think, honestly, this is a great piece about mental health, don't you? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot to take away, which, you know, don't do drugs. He's honest about why. Like, I I couldn't believe. I mean, what stood out for you? For me, the first thing that really hit me, because I wasn't a Take That fan. I was a little bit too old for that at the time, but he, um, that he was 16, when he joined Take That. I didn't realise that. And that resentment that he had for the other bloke in the band, yeah. um, that, that that surprised me. I didn't realise how much he, he hated him at the time. Gary. I didn't realise he'd been actually mm. kicked out either. I did think it's a valuable um, document for anybody who's living with uh, depression and anxiety or who's living with someone with depression and anxiety because I really appreciated that he always tried to be honest about that. Even there's this really, there's a piece, I've got a grab of it here. Back in 1995, when people, no, back in 1999, sorry, when he was 25 years old, back when people were not talking about mental illness at all, and certainly not handsome young pop stars, they were not being honest about depression. And there's a bit here where, um, He's drug-free by this stage. He's clean and he's about to do this huge concert, right? It's called Slade or something like that, I think. And um, this journalist comes and goes, oh, hey, Robbie, you know, are you excited? And the way he talks about so openly where he goes, no, I'm not because I've just come out of a deep depression and I'm not feeling anything is to me the best description I've ever heard of someone in it in depression and anxiety explaining how they can't really engage with what's happening around them because their brain's just not working that way. Just listen to this. Slain is um, three days away and, um, and I'm really scared. How excited are you as well? How excited am I? Yeah. I've been in a black depression for about the last five weeks and came out of it last week. So um, I'm not excited about very much at the minute, but um, nice, isn't it? But I'm doing my job, and I'm here, and I'm doing my job, and I really want to enjoy Slane, but I'm really scared of it. I'm scared of everything at the minute. Why are you scared? Come on, let's Why am I scared? You're, you're great out there. You're, you're rocking it up here. Yeah, I know. That's that's. I was I was in bed, fucking worrying about it last week. Wouldn't get out of bed. Um, don't know. Don't know why I'm scared. Just my confidence has left, and uh, my job's all about confidence. Yeah, you can see because because Guy isn't experiencing it. You know, he's doing the best that he can to just understand what he's going through. But that would have been so hard for the two of them because they would have been working together so closely. And then when he is in that zone, trying to just give him the space that he needs, to, you know, like there would have been what – what a challenging time for them both to go through. And it's, again, it's it's I think it's a really positive thing for people who live with someone with depression and anxiety because you can see Guy and other people saying to him, you're great at what you do. 
like, don't be scared. <laughs> and you can see him going, that, but I am. Like there's just no crossover there. It's like there's no point in telling me don't be scared, but you're Robbie Williams. And he's just like, my confidence has left me. There's no, and this is what it's like without drugs and alcohol. So I've, so yippee, I'm clean. But guess what? Without that, <laughs> this is who I am. I've got this mental illness and I can't, I don't know how to regulate it. I can't just switch it off and on. And I'm 25. And so it's so, um, I really thought that's really valuable. You know, you don't get to see that very often. You don't get to see a person right in the middle of it allow themselves to be on screen. I was surprised how much footage they had of him in all of these moments as well. Like they were clearly documenting everything that was going on. It's almost like Netflix knew 25 years ago, we're going to make a doco. But then I think later I think, God, no wonder the poor kid was always depressed and anxious. There's cameras in his face all the time and then British tabloids calling him shit all the time and he's so needy of acceptance and you know, um, and all that. And he just never gets it. They always go, nah, Robbie Williams, nah, what a dick. And he's trying so hard to be this great entertainer. Yeah. And for someone who was on the stage and, and larger than life and, you know, the kind of, the, the bloke that you want to go to the pub and have a, have a beer with, I didn't notice many friends yeah. around him. Quality friends. Or family bags. Yeah. He was, he's quite a lonely person. Where yeah. are his parents, especially off coming off the Beckham documentary, where both of their families were so much a part of it. I was like, um, where are mm. his parents? Or just even a best mate. I mean, I know that his best mate was his was his manager or was his, you know, the, the music director or it was always someone around him that was working with him. But the, there was never just a really good friend that was a part of the process. Yeah, well, his mate pops up halfway through, remember. His mate from Stoke-on-Trent pops up. But even then it's sort of, um, again, you get that sort of mismatch where Robbie's like, oh, I want to do steroids, remember, to keep going on on stage because I'm tired and his mate's just going, no, you shouldn't, you'll feel shit for two days. And at that stage he's made up his mind, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And and he's on stage even screaming, I've done steroids, I've done steroids. It's it's a hard watch, but anyone who's been with anyone like that will, go, will be going, oh, God, yes, I know this, I know this whole. But did you not think that that doctor was a bit weird Yep. The fact that the doctor wasn't really kind of talking about he was just like, what do you want, mate? Literally like, what, what, laughing. You're saying you want it? I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought the doctor should be the one actually talking about what the results will be because the friend kept saying you're going to be yeah. really bad for the next three or four days. You know what this is like. Yeah. But the doctor didn't really give a fuck. I don't want to end up sued, but I was thinking about certain other superstars and their doctors, I have to say, in that moment. Well, Elvis Presley. Where situations have... No, no, more recent. Yeah. That's what it reminded me a little bit of. When you, when, you watch, when you watch the Elvis movie, and I know that's a movie, but when there's that scene where his face is being put in the water and they're just trying to keep him going because there's so many people making money off this person. You can't have a night off, right? So Robbie's doing like night after night after night after. It also reminded me of the Avicii documentary, I have to say, which absolutely broke my heart. And, you know, that poor boy just begging to stop working live and all these people who are making money off him lying to him and saying, yep, okay, we hear you. Okay, you can stop working live after this one. Okay, but but after that one, 
Okay, but yeah, I know we said that, but we just, can you just do this one? Because we said you'd do this one. And that poor boy ended up taking his own life, you know. Um, yeah, all of those things just uh, just started to overwhelm me. Watching this guy, you, ca- you can't take a night off. There's literally 80,000 people at the gates every night. And you know what it's like? Taylor Swift just cancelled a gig the other night because there was literally a like a hurricane or something bearing down on the city and people are cracking the shit. She's like, guys, I don't mind performing in the rain. I just don't want you killed. There's the pressure of audiences and audiences turning up and then audiences cracking the shits mm-hmm. um, at someone cancelling. But then you've also got things like yeah. 90 trucks driving a stage around different countries, yeah. like 90 trucks. And then when you see the stage, you go, okay, well, I get it. it, right? But the thing is, how many people are reliant on this one person? Yeah, that's it. And you're in another country the next night. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, we can't do it tonight. We'll all just wait here and do it tomorrow night. No, you can't, mate, because you're in Belgium tomorrow night. The 90 trucks will pack up and move on. So it's... Huge, yeah. All of these people, that moment, wasn't it amazing when he was just standing there going, everything here is here because of me. That truck, all these structures they've built in this paddock, it's all here because of me, the responsibility of that. And I remember actually I I saw him in Brisbane on that actual stage, that stage that they moved around the world, which was the one where they had that kind of arm and the circle bit in the middle of of the crowd where he shoots out in between and you see him when they're kind of I didn't realize, but they were actually putting him on like a little roller coaster to get him out there into that little, oh, amazing. you know, that moment where he rises up in front of the stage. That reminded me of the way they wheeled Adele out in a suitcase that time for that gig. It's like all these things we just don't think about. We just see, oh, Robbie shoots up in the stage. We don't imagine how the performer gets to no. that place, right? This is the one thing I thought. I thought I reckon the first, the second, the third time yeah. for him, that would have been really exciting. Yeah. But there would have been a, that would have been a very lonely moment for him to be doing that on the fiftieth time to be rolling down that track and going, "Here I go again." Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that. There would have been that little moment for him to be like, "This is exciting," but I've done this over and over and over again on this same path. Yeah, and and his manager saying when his best friend said. Oh, how many more nights do we have to go? And his manager was like, shut up. We don't talk about how many more because that's too overwhelming, you know. And I thought, fuck, I know that feeling. (laughs) I don't want to compare myself to Robbie Williams, but I do know that even I've been in that situation when I've had like a month of gigs with no nights off where you're like, I don't even want to think about the next time I get to just not have to do this just for one night where I get to just sit in my pyjamas and not have to do this, you know. Robbie's got months. We're we're kind of talking and and dallying about this behind the scenes uh, for it. Like, can we be real national tour in 2024 potentially at this point? This is very early days. But when Mm. I did see him hanging behind the – now, I thought that could be a great way for Michelle to enter the podcast show live on stage. I love it. I love it. But I don't love it for like three months every night. And I, But I totally recognised, I thought, you know, when you're planning a tour, you think to yourself, oh, this is going to be great. 
And yeah, I can do it every night. Fuck yeah. Let's just smash it out. Let's just not have any time <laughs> off. Let's just smash it out. And then the, the quicker we get it done, the quicker we get home, guys. Let's just smash it out. And, you know, a number like, you know, three months seems like nothing to you. You know, in the beginning, before you've started, yeah, I can do three months on my head, mate. Yeah, no worries at all. You get, you know, 68 days into that. And you cannot, you can't see the beginning and you can't see the end. You're so in the middle of it. You're just like, I can't see light. I can't see daylight. I'm just in the middle of nowhere here. And I'm so tired and I can't sleep anymore. And I just hate my life. And It's quite a funny thing to happen as well, because like he's just there hanging upside right? down, right? Like being brought out like a cow on a, on a, on a, you know, like when they're at the abattoir yeah, kind yeah. of thing. On a hook at the abattoir. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got Pink going around the country and she's flinging herself around the entire stadium. And it's like, mate, like that's but that's bet, good, but it's not like that great. I know, but I bet Pink is smart enough. Certainly now, I bet she's built in certainly days off. Also, you know, self care stuff. And and my, you know, Robbie Williams. What's his self care? He's sitting in an inflatable pool backstage with his mate, um, complaining. You know, reading all his bad press in England and bitching about it. It's like I was watching it, thinking, didn't you ever learn to meditate? after you gave up booze or any positive like replacements for that. Um, It doesn't seem like there was a positive replacement, anything big enough to fill the gap of drugs and alcohol. It seems like he just went, okay, I'm not drinking or taking drugs anymore, but nothing huge to fill the space that it left. So now I'm just wandering around bored and miserable and just feeling like shit. And it just got worse and worse and worse, didn't it? It was just awful to watch. Um, here's this great bit, though, you know, when <laughs> he's a grab. So he's just, he's just been talking about in the documentary about, um, oh, God, you know, where he's, he's so sitting on his bed in his beautiful palatial home, in his jocks and his singlet, and... Uh, <laughs> He's like, oh, God, let's let's look at this bit that I haven't thought of for a million years about when I was telling everyone when I was 25 about how bad my depression and anxiety are, right? And then what happens, this is, this is the actual star of the show for me, Robbie's eldest child, Teddy, she is nine years old. She is a beautiful, beautiful little girl, right? She wanders into his bedroom and, bless him, Robbie says, get in here. Yeah, no worries. He lets her, he lets her wander in, right? And obviously this is a very common occurrence where he says, yeah, jump in to bed with me and spoon. So she jumps in behind him. She's a beautiful little girl. And it's gorgeous because I love this moment where she goes, who's that? She looks at his, you know, his laptop that he's got in front of him. She goes, who's that? And it's him. It's him on stage at 25 at this gig that he was just talking about going, ah, I'm shit scared. Oh, I don't care about anything. And of course he nailed it. He was brilliant at the gig, but she's looking at her dad at 25 sort of at the peak of his hotness. And she's like, who's that? He goes, what's me? Anyway, then he starts to get sweary on this video. And this was a really interesting moment for me. Tell me, well, let's play it and then we'll come back and see what you think. Come in. Yeah. Yeah. For a little bit. Jump in. Spoon. Who's that? It's me. Oh, my God. 
See, obviously I'm not allowed to swear, I can't say shit or fuck or anything like that because the television's on. But you all can. I don't think you should be watching this. No, you shouldn't. And I think there should be a Guinness Book of Records put aside for the biggest collective swearing session ever. Grown-up stuff. You'll have to go, boo. Sorry, I would love you to be able to watch all of this and be with me, but it's not for your age. Did you expect Robbie Williams to be the kind of parent who said to his nine-year-old daughter... You can't hear swearing. Get out of here. I don't want you to hear this. I, don't think, I, don't, I feel like they would be swearing in that house I all the time. Shocked. Like almost like the Same. Osbournes kind of thing. Like I, I just would have thought it would have been like the Osbournes vibe. Same. Because you know? it wasn't mm. even that bad. The swearing wasn't that bad. But isn't this usually the way like that when people are kind of a bit messed mm. up and they have their like their, you know, they, they grow up in a pretty rough type of lifestyle. Do they do the complete opposite with their kids, like as far as they protect them and try and turn them into these angels because of the fact that they know, you know, or drugs and this and that are bad, so I'm going to keep it's you away from everything bad? Almost it's like they're trying to protect the... them so much. Or do you think that was a bit of show business there? No, I don't think it was because I think the way she reacts to him and another couple of times in the show, I think it's very genuine because she's she doesn't because believe me kids will give you up every time um kids will give and we were just laughing about this today over lunch we had lunch with Edie our beautiful my niece my kid's cousin she's five and apparently she dobs in her pa all the time her beautiful pa Greg grandpa Googs and um my brother was saying that lately she's given him up a couple of times just for silly things like letting one of the dogs in the chook pen and just shit like that when he's babysitting her. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing happened, nothing went wrong. But, of course, Grandpa thought to himself, great, I, I won't let on that that happened. But Edie's like, oh, don't worry, I've got it covered. Um, everyone, I just want you to know that Pa let the dog into the chook pen uh, while he went here. Kids kids will give you up every time So I could tell by the way they were interacting That Teddy, for Teddy this was normal When when Dad says no, you're not big enough to hear swearing She was, and remember she tried it on She was like, no, I think I should stay And he was like, no, mate, it's grown up stuff And I was like Because I was always the opposite with my kids I felt like I kind of, I want them to know I don't want them to get a shock when they walk out the front door at 17 or 18 and go, oh, mum's painted this kind of idyllic image of the world and it's not like that. So I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, well, best you hear it from me, guys. (laughs) This is what the world is like. Yeah, which I think is a great approach. And I felt like Robbie wasn't trying to pretend that he'd never sworn in his life. He was just saying to her, no, this is grown-up stuff and it's not for you. And I thought, and I'm not putting shit on his parenting at all. It's it's a great, probably a great way to be. But uh, but I was just shocked. I thought, oh wow, okay, he's really shielding her. And if anything, I thought, oh, it's very American. Her mum's American. You know, they're very conservative Americans. And I thought, oh, maybe this is the American way to go because I've got a feeling that wasn't that way in Robbie's household, put it that way. Did you feel like we didn't see uh, a lot of, I mean, all of these documentaries, I feel like they're very controlled still at the end of the day. There would be someone that gets final say over what goes and what doesn't, even that moment there where it makes him look like a good dad in some kind of way that would have been like, make sure that's in, it makes Robbie look great, you know. Yes, yep. Um, 
Do did you like? I mean, he was a a womanizer, um, yes, and and openly, um, there wasn't much footage or like you didn't see backstage like a lot of women hanging around or anything like no. that. Which I would have thought there would have been a lot of that kind of groupy, you know, which he jokes about every now and then, and we all expect that that's what would have happened. But we just didn't see much of that in the documentary. Only a couple of mentions, wasn't there? Otherwise, it was a very very. Serial monogamy, wasn't it? There was, I had this long relationship, then I had that long relationship, um, then then took a break, then I got married. <laughs> it was really sort of, yeah. yeah. There was a moment where he said, oh, yeah, I rooted groupies who didn't. It was, that was about as much as he sort of admitted, but otherwise it was like. And do you think that that was a, an edit there that would have been controlled? Because, I mean, we all know, we all grew up with hearing him being like a, almost like a Russell Brand type of character, yeah. you know, being that sexual rock star. But we all thought, okay, cool, that's what you're doing. No one, no one was thinking it was a bad thing back then. But do you think now in today's day that they're like, we can't have that out there about yeah. this? guy because people will just slam him like a Russell Brand type Totally, guy. but then at the same time you think, well, surely, though, you would expect women to come forward. If there were lots of women, you'd think that they'd all come forward and go, oh, fuck off. Oi, what about us? What about me? What about all that stuff? So as they sort of have with, with David mm. Beckham, to be honest, you know, Rebecca Luz was straight out saying, uh, you glossed over that a bit. So... um it made me wonder, actually, if maybe Robbie wasn't the pants man that he made out to be. I thought to myself... And that image is so good for your... As a rock star, yeah. that's a great image, right? Yeah. It made me wonder if I he... I mean, were, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not a great image, but it works it towards was. the image of being yeah. that kind of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it certainly was considered a great image until Which, speaking recently. of, when you say it was, do you think we're going to see that again or is that over now? Like, if you're a musician, if you're sleeping around, or is that seen as, like, really tacky now? Like, what is that? I think it's cyclical. I, I would be surprised if it didn't come back. Honestly, I think that all these things come and go and... I'd be surprised if there wasn't some kind of, you know, backlash to the backlash. <laughs> and at some point there wasn't a sexual revolution where people, some generation, maybe Edie's generation, maybe her children's generation, there'll be, I reckon there'll be some generation that'll go, oh, you're all a bunch of conservative wimps and we're going to go, we're going to have another sexual revolution. I, I think all of these things are reactions to the generations before and I reckon there'll be another loose, crazy, anything goes generation. Where else can we go from here? I think it's a very conservative time right now. I want to be in that fucking generation because I feel oh, like I've got. Same. I'm in this weird generation. <laughs> same. I'm th- I'm like 39, <laughs> right? And it's like, I hang know. on. This is the time when yeah. I did, like I wanted to be around when Robbie Williams was rooting everyone. I know, babes. Well, I was, and it was great, and I'd love to be included <laughs> next time it comes around. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Back to Teddy. Now, Teddy is kind of Teddy Williams, Robbie's eldest daughter. She's kind of they're, they're kind of in Edie's generation. His youngest child is 4. So they they're all the same generation these kids. Um who to thunk it? Robbie's my age. And um, he's got these beautiful four little babies. And the only one we really get to see is Teddy, but she's a, she's a beautiful little personality. She's a very well-behaved child. We can see that, that when Robbie pulls her up, she gives him a little flicker of the eyes, but she behaves herself. And um, the next moment that we see Teddy, and I remember when I saw Teddy the first time, I was like, oh, this is adorable. He's including the kids. But, no, it's not the kids by the end of it, it's just Teddy. But this is my favourite moment. To me, this was so relatable. This is such a relatable parenting moment. So fast forward the next episode. This is episode three of the four-parter. We're really down in it with Robbie by this stage. He's still in his black jocks. I'm sure it's another day. I don't think we've sat in our black jocks and black singlet like and just watched all of the footage. I think we've had <laughs> this over the course of a few days. Yeah. And um, he's in bed and he's really... Well, in fact, I know it's another day because he said at the beginning of this session, he goes, I was a bit late for you guys today because I knew this would be a difficult session. This is really when we're going to watch me come undone. We're going to watch me have a, a complete breakdown in front of the world. So he's watching the footage and it's it's about to really get into it when, what do you know, every parent will, <laughs> will recognise this moment. The intensity in the room is really at its peak. And what do we hear? Knock at the door. <laughs> it's one of the kids. Oh, for fuck's sake. So Robbie's like, oh, yes. And it's Teddy, his best mate, his eldest daughter, who clearly <laughs> adores him. And Teddy's just obviously bored, rattling around the house. And she thinks, what's dad up to? <laughs> he's going to have a look at what dad's up to with that camera crew. In his bedroom that I've been told, clearly been told very clearly to stay away from because he's busy. But no, fuck that. I'm going to go and see what Teddy's, what Dad's up to. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, my, the best bit about it is she clearly knows a lot of, of this. She knows that she's not supposed to go in there, one. Two, she's going to ask him if she can have some snacks. And she knows that she's not supposed to have these snacks. And this is what happens. Hi, baby. Um yeah, what were you eating? I was about to ask you. Did you come and ask me because you know that I'm more likely to say yes than your mum? Mm, no. That's a yes. Listen, I've just reached a part that is probably the most traumatic moment of my life. What happened? A lot. You'll be able to watch it 
you'll be able to watch the documentary when you're much older. Fine, I'll put those back. It's all right, I'll put them back. I'll put them back. Bye. All the very best. Love you loads. Bye, darling. When you're going to be done? Bye, bye, darling. When are you going to be Don't know. Bye, darling. See you in a bit. Love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the sublime to the ridiculous. So that, to me, is the most relatable moment, and he's so great with it. And I love even that he doesn't trust her to put the snacks back. She goes, I'll put these back. And he's like, no, nah, mate. I'll put them back. I love that <laughs> so much. He's like, how fucking stupid do you think I am? I'll put them back, mate. And then she tries to even try, she just tries to shit him on the way out. Well, how long are you going to be, Dad? How long is this going on? He's like, I don't know, mate. <laughs> just go. I love it when he says we're all the best. Yeah. All the best. It's so cute. I'm like, oh, God, how many moments, how many Zooms have I been in? where that has happened, right, it's such an important moment. Or how many things have I been editing where I'm so in the zone and some fucking <laughs> at my door, like, are you serious? Why are don't, you serious? Why don't we see the other kids in the documentary? Well, they're quite a bit younger, I think. I think the youngest is four. Because uh, I did, I Googled them afterwards. I was like, where are these other kids? What's happening? Mm. And uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe he's just got a great relationship with her. I don't I don't know. But Or maybe she just delivered the gold. But she, every time she popped in, it was just a great they moment. They others got you know? edited out. Well, what, what um, about, um, were you surprised maybe. by the number four as far as four children as well? Because I feel like he has kind of been, yeah. Because yeah. when they said were four you? children, I was like, oh, what the fuck? When did this all happen? Where the, where did they spring from? Shit. Four? I mean, I knew he, I vaguely was aware that he was a dad. got married yeah. and that he had, I thought he had a child. Yeah. yeah, but four. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Four. But I, and then when I Googled them, I realized they're, yeah, age, the, the youngest is, is four years old. So they've really fit him in there between four and nine. And I think his wife's quite a bit younger. She's maybe in her 30s or something. But then. When they finished, this is my last little bit to play you, when they finished the show with Teddy sitting at the piano playing beautifully and singing beautifully, Mm. I thought, oh, I think this is our next Nepo baby. What do you think? I think she's very charismatic. (laughs) She's obviously very talented. And I'm fascinated to know whether Robbie would, obviously he's allowed her to be part of the show and he's allowed her singing and everything to be the end of it. But given all the everything we've seen, up to that point, I thought, oh, this is fascinating. I'd be really interested to know whether he would support her, you know, performing mm. or not because it's been a really, really hard road for him. He's, he's loved, he loves performing. But as he said, I love that bit where he said, it's, it kicks me off. This horse, yeah, this horse of performing and show business kicks me yeah. off every time I get yeah, on but it. But when, you know? yeah, when he gets on it, he's so successful. Um, yeah. I, I, like, Okay, if you had that career and then you had that house, I mean, that house is ridiculous, right? And you had that lifestyle and you're flying around in jets, jets with your initials on them, and your daughter said, (laughs) I want to do the same thing. Would you say no? I mean, that's a ridiculous life, isn't it? I don't think the jets mean anything, honestly. And I, and, I, and I also think once he's got that house, you sort of got to think to yourself, well, doesn't that mean she can have that house? I mean, I think the money is there. But then also he did make the point, what about the bit 
around the end as well where he's got to leave, he's got to go to work and all the babies are crying. And that was a good thing to include as well, I think. When And here you can see he's absolutely cut up because, I mean, he does spend all of his time in bed in his jocks. He doesn't want to go and get in a car and go and fly away somewhere to do gigs. You see that, right? He wants to stay home. He's a homebody. And, but he says, look, I, I do that because it makes me proud to be able to give my family the life that we have. And then, then all of those shots of the house really come into context, right? And I think of what I do to, you know, give your kids a life and what you do to, you know, give yourself and your, your wife your life and everything and what we all do. And, but then you think what's it's taken from him. It's just such a, it's taken a lot from him. It's like, you know. No, no, totally. But I mean, at the end of the day, if she's sitting there on a piano singing away and you're looking at her and going, okay, well, that's, that's, you know, great. She's taking a in yeah. dad's footsteps or she could be an accountant. I think for him though, he'd have to really be keeping an eye and going, does she have my mental illness? Like, does she, can she, could she do it all without being kicked off the horse? That would be the dream, wouldn't it? That would be the ideal. Would it take as much from her as it took from me? And maybe it wouldn't because she comes from a different family. This is where it comes, where I started going, hey, where's his family? We didn't hear anything about his growing up. We didn't hear anything about who he was before he joined Take That at 16. Except he said, when I was at school, I was thick. I couldn't read and, and I struggle with maths, yeah. with, with maths. So I was like, okay, so we're talking probably ADHD. We're talking that kind of kid, okay? Hmm. But we didn't hear any. So that to me is like that's where, that's the foundations of all of this mental illness. And he's not, he's not letting us in there. Whereas this little girl comes from an incredibly loving, secure home. That's a really interesting insight. And I didn't think about that. The fact that he doesn't let us into that moment. He's letting us into some pretty vulnerable moments, but that's one space. He's like, that's a no-go zone, guys. And that's clearly, like you just pointed out, that's where a lot of this stuff begins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because by the time he's take that Robbie, he's fully take that Robbie. He's, he's the Robbie that we know and he's got all of this baggage. He's got all of these problems already. So what happened before that? And why are none of his family, why is none of that included in this show? It's very telling to me. But as I say, this girl, Teddy, this beautiful nine-year-old, is living a very structured, loving life. So with a bit of luck, wouldn't it be wonderful if she has all of his ability and none of whatever happened before, before. Oh, look, I think it's a really good piece. Again, I thought that the Beckham piece was great, but I think that this one is heavier and has more um, to give in terms of I think it's a really strong piece about mental health and about depression and anxiety because he is such an open, giving, generous person and um, just wasn't what I expected at all. Hey, I mm. fully thought Robbie Williams was the guy on stage. I fully thought he was the arrogant didn't you, the performer? Yeah. I thought that's who he is mm. and he's just not. Well, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, go and check it out on Netflix now, uh, Robbie Williams. And I've got um, a bit of his beautiful daughter, Teddy, singing that lovely song. I don't know. I'm sure many of you will know the song. Um, I don't think it's a Teddy original. Pretty, It's beautiful and she's playing the piano. Yeah. Well, let's end the episode on this. And her dad's talking over the top just have, with some final thoughts. It's gorgeous. Let me choose 
ever uh, some acceptance and love for me. That, that feels huge, man. Yeah, that does feel that does feel big. That's not what I was expecting to feel at the end of this. a happy ending for me anyway Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.